0: Welcome back to the latest post-game edition of Head of the Pack. I'm Matt Schneidman here with Bill Huber. We're coming to you live from Lambeau Field after the Packers' 24-20 win over the Jaguars. But the game wasn't really the biggest news of the day, Bill. No, it was not. No, it was not. Late in the fourth quarter as the Jaguars were driving with a chance to take the lead against one of the NFL's best teams as one of the NFL's worst teams, Some wise soul, I don't know who it was, leaks the information to Pro Football Talk conveniently that uh, the Packers last night around 11 p.m. signed all-pro left tackle David Bakhtiari to a four-year contract extension. And the details I received from that were it's a four-year deal worth up to $105.5 million dollars. Base value of 103.5 million with two million in incentives. The new money average of 23 million dollars per year makes him the highest-paid offensive lineman in NFL history. Packers won, so it, it was a better scenario to talk about that with all the guys on the post-game zooms. But Bill, what are your initial thoughts? <clears throat> Sorry, Jesus, I'm choking on my apple over here. <laughs> some apple left in my throat. I'm not eating. And this will be the Trust last
1: head of the pack podcast because Matt has died.
0: Trust me. I'm not <laughs> eating while I'm podcasting. It's just some, some apple seeds stuck in my throat. I don't know. But Bill, what are your initial thoughts on, on the Packers getting this done? Were you surprised that it got done mid season?
1: Um, no, because I, I think in, in, in GM, Brian and Gudukun Scott got to this during his zoom with us, but this is really the only way to work this thing with the, I mean, the cap's going to go down $25 million next year. So you couldn't really franchise them because a franchise, what was the franchise like, eighteen million, something like that. So if you know, say it was eighteen million, that would all been on the twenty twenty one cap, which they have no cap space. So really, the only way to work this is to do the mid season extension. You eat up some of the cap space that's left for this year. Um, I'm assuming, without seeing it, that the base contract for twenty twenty one is probably a little bit low, and then he then he really, really, really gets paid and 22 23 and 24. So I I think this is the way to kind of get around the gigantic camp problems that that everybody's going to have.
0: Yeah. And that's a fantastic point because that's obviously the the most pertinent football information. And, and Goody said, you know, this won't hinder our, our chances of, you know, re-signing Aaron Jones or Kevin King. But like we've talked about on this podcast before, I think we knew they were going to extend Bakhtiari, even though listening to him talk tonight, um, he didn't always feel that way. There were times where he said he told himself or, or mentally prepared himself to enjoy every last game he plays here just in case uh, he's in a different uniform next year so it doesn't hit him so hard when it happens. So I thought that was interesting. We'll see what this means for Aaron Jones, Kevin King, Corey Lindsley, Jamal Williams, those guys. You were here when they drafted Bakhtiari, 109th overall in 2013. And you're a big draft guy. You talked to all these assistant coaches. What do you remember about that day? And this is going to be a dumb question, but did you ever think he could become the player he is now?
1: No, of course not. Um, I think it was pretty much unanimous. Right tackle, maybe guard. Could probably play center for you. Um, that, that, was, that was the thoughts of people. I remember he came here and he played, I think he played left tackle as rookie minicamp. But in 2013, the Packers moved Brian Balaga from right tackle to left tackle. It was going to be Balaga at left tackle. And if I remember, right, Bakhtiari, God, I'm drawing up like who it was. Maybe Marshall Newhouse. It might have been Bakhtiari against Marshall Newhouse at right tackle. And uh, Then Balaga gets hurt during training camp. I think it was family night with his ACL. And then they put Bakhtiari at left tackle. And the rest is history. It's amazing, man. I looked this up a little while ago. Of the current 32 starting left tackles, 19 are first-round picks. And I'm, I'm guessing it's probably even more. You know, like Tyron Smith's out, so it's, it's probably even a higher number than that. But there are more starting left tackles who are first round picks than quarterbacks. That is how premium uh, premium of a position that is viewed around the league by talent guys like Gudikun. So it's the second
0: most important position in football.
1: It is. You, um, you either have one or you don't. You know, I, I had people lamenting the lack of depth at left tackle. Please, th- there are no backup left tackles, there are maybe 15 good starting left tackles. Yes, um, to have one. Um, You generally have to draft through the nose to get one, and then you pay through the nose to keep them. The Packers are fortunate to use a fourth-round pick to get one and obviously very smart to pay through the nose to keep them because without a left tackle, it is really, really hard.
0: Yeah, and just looking at Bakhtiari's journey, it's pretty incredible. People have been tweeting and posting funny pictures of him from his youth, but it all started last night. I was having a beer last night. And I see a tweet from Batiari at 11.14 p.m. It's just the emoji of a smiley face, a face kind of blushing. I was like, what, what is this? Did he mean to send that? Was that meant to be a text? And then you think, okay, he's coming back after missing three games with what he said today were broken ribs that he suffered in that Buccaneers game. Um, and you think, okay, he's happy to come back. And when you see the news come out today, you're like, ah. And, and you hear that the deal got done around 11 p.m. last night, and that's when he signed on the dotted line. He's always been a clever son of a gun, that David Bakhtiari. And, and Brian Gutekunst told a, a, f- a fun story when we talked to him tonight. In his first year as college scouting director for the Packers in 2012, he flew out to Boulder, Colorado. Colorado was, I think you could say, the worst team in college football. They were 0-7 or 0-8 at the time. They ended up finishing 1-11 that year. Gutekunst wanted to see if anyone out there was worth, worth a damn, worth his time. And he asked around and said, who's your best player? Because really, that's the only guy that was going to be worth his time. And the unanimous answer was our left, our junior left tackle, David Bakhtiari. He says him and Ted Thompson and all the front office guys had a higher grade on him than the fourth round. But Bakhtiari fell to them at the 109th pink. And now here, eight days later, that one guy that was worth the damn out in Boulder, Colorado, in fall of 2012, is now the highest-paid offensive lineman in NFL history. So it's it's pretty interesting to see the journey David Bakhtiari has been on. It was nice to see. Uh, I mean, I feel bad because I made him cry on the Zoom after the game where, <laughs> when I asked him, you know, if a teenage David Bakhtiari was told he would one day be the highest-paid lineman in league history, what would he say? And it, I counted it. It took him 13 seconds to say any words. Like, he was choking. He was not like me, but he was... Choking stu- like you, yeah. He, he was stuttering. He was holding back tears. He was chuckling to hold the tears back. And it was just a, a really nice moment um, on, a, on a human level, obviously. And oh, I wanted to add one more thing on Bakhtiari. Rogers sounded like a proud father talking about him. And he said Bakhtiari is the best left tackle in football and a future, probably a future Hall of Famer. Could you see that happening?
1: He's a four-time All-Pro. So yeah, I mean, I mean, all, in the Hall of Fame, and you know, to be Captain Obvious here, is for the best of the best, and he has been the best of the best, and he, you know, and All pros not a like a pro ball.
0: There aren't a lot of left oh, tackles no. that make the All Pro team.
1: No, in what I mean, what a luxury for Matt LaFleur to to and Nathaniel Hackett to start drawing up a game plan, and whoever's at right in, right defensive end, right outside linebacker, whatever the scheme. 69 has got him and you just move on to, to not have to worry about that is amazing. But no, yeah, he is. He is well on his way to a Hall of Fame career with, with those four all pros.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, listen, being a good left tackle is one thing. Being tasked with protecting the blind side of one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time is a whole nother thing. And Bakhtiari has lived up to those expectations and then some. And, you know, he deserves whatever he was paid Um, like, like he said, he didn't know there were times where, where negotiations naturally got contentious. Um, and he didn't know if this was going to get done, but it did. And ironically, another thing we should point out is his last extension in 2016 was signed on the eve. They beat the Jaguars in Jacksonville. And that was the last time the Packers and Jaguars played, if I'm not mistaken. Am I correct? Yep. That's correct. And now, uh, Mark Humanick, who's Bakhtiari's agent, a couple nights ago, brought that up to Bakhtiari. And Bakhtiari said that, ironically enough, is when negotiations started heating up and Bakhtiari kind of thought, okay, it's destiny, this has to happen. And Huminic called Bakhtiari on Friday night and said, we have to talk. And Bakhtiari thought, oh boy, this is either really good news or really bad news. They kind of talked, saw it was coming to the finish line, this deal, and then it got done on Saturday night. They wanted to get it done before Sunday because uh, the deal doesn't become official until the next league day or, or something, I believe. And so they wanted it to happen before the game. Bakhtiari only told close friends and family members because uh, he didn't want to tell anyone that would that would leak the secret and, and have it be a distraction before the game. So that's how that all went down. So
1: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone?
0: could have easily lost this game. Um, what does this game say about the Packers, who are now the number one seed in the NFC and owner of the lone playoff bye uh, with a tiebreaker over the Saints and the Seahawks lost today? Is, is today's game a reason for concern long-term?
1: Man, I don't know, man. I, they should have lost. They, they should have lost any number of times. I don't know, though. Um, Jacksonville stinks. It's hard playing at home with no fans. They've got Indy coming up. You know, Maybe I'm just in an excuse-making mode here, but... I don't know, is it just human nature to look past a bad football team when you're at home and, and the weather's crap? I mean, look, the, the weather's the, the ultimate leveler of things here today. I mean, it's when is all get out and that limits Aaron Rodgers in the passing game. Um, I, so I don't know. Um, I'm going to say no, it shouldn't be reason for concern. I, I thought the defense played good as much as I did like, too. Like half of our reader questions about how bad the defense is. And I'm thinking, hell, no. they gave up six points.
0: They gave up right? six points. Six points. Six points because seven came on the punt return and seven came on the short field that Devontae Adams' fumble gave them. So I thought, yes, there were some chunk plays and uh, the run defense still isn't great, but I haven't seen the Packers' edge rushers come alive like they did when it mattered most on that final drive. Rashawn Gary, Zadaria Smith, and Preston Smith all had big plays on that final drive. I mean, today, uh, listen, Jake Luton... And no LaVisca Chenault. You have an undrafted rookie running back. Um, you expect the Packers defense to do that. But Adrian Amos had an yes. interception. Uh, like I said, the edge rushers played well. You get Christian Kirksey back. And that is the kind of game you want from this Packers defense. I, I, everyone says, you know, fire Mike pet and what's wrong with the defense. The offense was way worse today. Aaron Rodgers made it the sure worst was. throw of, his, of the season. Devontae Adams lost a fumble. Um, Aaron Jones couldn't get anything going. Billy Turner had a couple costly penalties. Like the offense was the problem today.
1: It was. Um, it, it, maybe, maybe there's a reason for concern. But again, you know, with, with the wind kind of leveling the playing field. So I, I don't even know what to make out of that. But yeah, not a great game by Adams. He, you know, he had a drop as well. Um, gosh, you know, that first you know, who knows how this game turns out? You know, I'm gonna get back to the wind. That that first third down of the game, Ryder Stepson up in the pocket. He's got Robert Tanyan getting behind the linebacker for what could have been a really big play, if not a touchdown. And as Ryder said, the ball moved seven yards to his left and was incomplete. You know, everyone's talking about energy. If Rodgers hits Tanyan for a touchdown right off the bat, maybe they win by 30. I mean, who knows? It's just, it's just the way it goes.
0: Yeah, I, I wouldn't be concerned long-term about the offense. I mean, next week's game against the Colts is going to be a very telling game and a very good barometer. We've said that a couple times, you know, a good measuring stick game. We saw that against the Saints. We saw that against the Buccaneers. Saints game was like, all right, Packers are for real. Buccaneers game, all right, maybe they're not. So this being the 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 rubber match of of um measuring stick games, I think, coming up against the Colts in Indianapolis next week. Colts blew the Titans out of the water in the second half on Thursday night. They're six and three atop the AFC South. So that'll be a really good game. Um I wanted to talk about Devontae today because or no, sorry, Marquez Valdez Scantling. Here's a guy who um has a lot of drops, as we've talked about, and, and the NVS experience is what we've dubbed it here on, on this show um, is maddening for Packer fans to watch. He didn't have any bad today. He didn't have any drops. He had uh, the 78-yard touchdown, tremendous abilities after the catch. It, yes, it helped that the, the ref threw a nice block there at the end, and how that ref stayed on the field after going flying into orbit was beyond me, but four catches for a career-high 149 yards and a touchdown – he had a couple big plays today. Uh, what do you think of the day he had? And if they get this MVS and they get Alan Lazard back, which I don't know if they will, I wonder if he had a setback. Um, what do you think this MVS can do for the Packers down down the home stretch?
1: Yeah, he was really good. And, and I'm trying to find my notes. He had that third down catch where Rodgers rolled out to his right. And and look, I mean, MVS found the hole, settled down in the defense. Rodgers threw it to him. I mean, that was a big play. That's what you need. I mean, the Vikings came in here and won a couple of weeks ago, and I realize Adams scored three touchdowns in that game, so it seems kind of weird to say the Vikings held him down. But he didn't do a whole lot beyond those touchdowns, and the Packers didn't have anybody else step to the forefront. This is what they need. If teams are going to be able to limit Adams, and Adams said 8 for 66 today, they need someone, anyone, to pick up some of that slack. He was he was fantastic. Um, I, I, don't know, I don't know what more you could ask. Like he, had, he made the big plays. He had the, the clutch play. That run after catch play to set set up the go ahead touchdown. Um, yeah, I don't think you can expect this every game, but this is a huge, huge game for him. I, I would think a huge game for him, Matt.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And I think I wasn't on his Zoom call because we were on with Bakhtiari and Rogers and Lafleur. But um, I'll have to take a look back at what he said and what he saw in all those plays. But I think this MVS would be huge for the Packers. And with Lazard, it's interesting. I know Matt Lafleur said he didn't have a setback, but um, when Lazard didn't practice on Friday, I thought, okay, maybe they're just, uh, sitting him out to avoid disaster and, you know, a freak injury in a Friday practice. Cause he's ready. And Matt LaFleur said he was, he was really close, but they didn't activate him today. It, like, are you starting to get a sense maybe his season's over or like, are we going to see him activated this
1: week? I think activated this week. You know, Ian Rappaport on Friday mentioned that he didn't practice. Um, but said the expectation was he'd be ready to go for next week. So, I, I, you know, say what you want about Ian. I don't think he's probably – I find it of hard to believe he's wrong on that, but it, it did strike me that he didn't practice tonight, and I thought the same thing, that something must have happened. Unless the plan was, hey, he's not going to play on Sunday, um, let's just focus on the guys who are going to play. So maybe that was it. But, uh, again, just based on Rappaport's tweet on Friday, I, I'm, I'm assuming everything's fine.
0: Yeah, I, I think that'll be the main – thing to monitor and practice this week as we approach Colts Colts Week. Um, but other than that, not much else to discuss from this clunker of a game. We do have a bunch of questions, so let's get to some of those. What do we got?
1: Well we got a cup on the special teams Matt. Oh uh-huh. um, but so while while I while I dig them up um, this is why I, I will say on JK's Sp- this is why punting average is one of the most overrated stats in football because J.K. Scott hits an absolute bomb, 59 yards, I want to say. But the punt returner, Keelan Cole, didn't have to move. And I looked. He had 20 yards of running room when he fielded the ball. I mean, good luck covering that punt. It
0: was a line drive. Yeah. I mean, and and J.K. Scott got – go ahead. Was there a question in there? Sorry. <laughs>
1: <You're>, <laughs> no, I'm trying to find
0: him. You're, yeah, ju- you're yeah, just yeah, – you're Scott venting. <laughs>
1: J.K. Scott, he looked like a punter trying to tackle a wide receiver. Well,
0: yeah, he, he, that, that was, I saw a tweet from Kevin Clark who, who writes for The Ringer. He said, J.K. Scott, it, that, that play, you just felt like J.K. Scott fell down even <laughs> though he didn't really fall down. And Pat, Pat McAfee, obviously everyone knows who that is, Said J.K. Scott's just got to launch his
1: body and try and go for the tackle. You can't get juked out of your shoes if you're already midair. Yeah, that was like that. That'll be something that the Jaguars guys will watch probably 15, 20 times on film on Monday. And while they'll be hurting from the loss, they'll watch it and rewind it and play it again, and they'll just laugh their asses off. That's just that's just how football players are. Um, questions. We didn't get this right away, Matt. So I'll, I'll ask it. Christopher Karlaki wants to know what about the injuries today? I don't think there were any because I mean, I mean, Adams came back. Savage came back. Am I I missing something?
0: No, they both came back. So I I think those two, Tyler Irvin.
1: Oh, Tyler Tyler Irvin Irvin left
0: with the rib injury, didn't return. You know, that affects things because he's a big part of the motion game, big part of the return game. Um, They had to put Josh Jackson back there, kind of put Malik Taylor and Jamal Williams as a a shared return game back there. Um, So that could be significant, not significant, but that would be impactful if, if that, is broken ribs like David Bakhtiari. I'm just speculating there. We don't know what it is, but um, that would be the only injury that we'll receive an update on tomorrow. But aside from that, Devante and Savage, obviously not bad because they were able to return and Devontae did so. And then uh, caught that incredible touchdown pass and um, what should have been his second touchdown of the day. If Billy Turner hadn't held, which he did, that was a good call. And, and Rodgers just said, you know, 17 is different. He's built different. He's special because of what he was able to do after that injury, which was an ankle injury, by the way. All
1: right, Blaine, three stacks. Why are they so cautious with Aaron Jones, or has he looked like his old self since coming off of the injury? I will say Aaron Jones did have 18 touches today. 18
0: touches. They're giving him the same workload as he would normally get. I just don't know if it was the Jaguars' D-line was good. The Packers' offensive line wasn't getting any push, but 13 carries for 46 yards, not great. Five catches for 49 yards. That's that's a typical Jones receiving day. So I wouldn't say it's it, it's been that he hasn't looked like his normal self. It might just be a game-by-game game thing. If this continues, then we can look more at it. But, you know, I'll trust Jones. He said he's he's felt like his normal self after returning from that calf injury. So I'll take him for his
1: word. Me as well. I mean, he is, when he gets the ball and he gets a a chance to cut and go, I mean, he just gets through holes there. You know, a typical guy would get two or three yards and Jones gets seven or eight. He is, his ability to accelerate, like, it is pretty amazing. Um, Nate Dassault wants to know, this is a great question, and Matt Lafleur would like to know the answer to this as well why is this team having so much trouble with having enough juice for games?
0: That's a great question. You know, I think it's because they're having water for breakfast instead of apple juice, orange juice, you know, that kind of stuff. No, it's incredible. It really is. Like, I don't know if it's the wind that has been the case uh, in their last two home games, playing down to their opponent, the Vikings and, and the Jaguars. But that's that might be the biggest concern out of anything, that, We've heard so much about the culture change, and then these guys come out flat on game day against some of the worst teams in the NFL at the time, the one-win teams. And, and Matt LaFleur said, you know, that is concerning. we got to take a long, hard look at why we're not coming out with the right mindset on game day. And normally mindset and effort are, are just such cliches, but it's visible this year. The Packers don't have it in their last two home games. Um, if it continues, that'll be even more concerning. Maybe we can brush it off as a two-off uh, now, but that's definitely something they have to take a look at. Aaron Rodgers said he liked the energy a lot better today than the Vikings game, which that that means something.
1: Yeah, God, you know, Lef- Mike Spoffer from Packers.com asked LaFleur about the defense, and LaFleur spent like 10 words answering about the defense, and then he went right back to energy. So he I mean, he was really frustrated by it. Again, maybe I, I just think it's... A one and seven football team, and you know, you, you can't go into a game acting like you've won, but I just think that was probably part of it. I just think it's a crappy day, it's a crappy football team. You got the coming up in Chicago. I I just think there's just uh, a little lethargy because of that. Here's a good question from Austin. Obviously, with the Bakhtiari signing. Is the key to this LaFleur offense having an elite O-line? Does it make sense to lock up Bakhtiari and Lindsley, keeping the best over line? Best overall O-line unit in the NFL together for a few more seasons.
0: Yeah, I mean, on plays like the touchdown to Devontae Adams, I tweeted a picture of it, but it was incredible how much, maybe that was more uh, a credit to the the play fake, the fake handoff to Aaron Jones, but the amount of space that Aaron Rodgers had on that play was incredible. And that that's just one of the instances where the protection up front has done a great job. It does rely on that because, you know, Aaron Rodgers is great at, at improvising, but he has arguably the best offensive line in the NFL. Um, today, there were more penalties than there have been at, at any time this season. I believe in in any game this season. But when you look at Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Lindsley, Patrick, and Turner, that's a really good offensive line. And, and any offense, it you know runs as their offensive line runs. But this offense in particular, I think.
1: Yeah, you know, we have another question coming coming up about you know free agency and, and who to lock up next. Man, you can make a you can make a case for Lindsay. Couldn't you be in be in that next guy? And I know Aaron Jones is Aaron Jones, and it, it, it maybe maybe you can get Kevin King on a discount because he's been hurt again. But Lindsay's dang good. He's the guy who runs the show up front. I mean, he's just the guy's like indestructible. I think. You, I mean, could you make a case, Matt, that he's that if you're going to extend anybody else, that maybe it's him?
0: I definitely think you could. People are going to. um say no Aaron Jones because you have Lucas Patrick at center you have Jake Hansen but Corey Lindsley you could make a case is more valuable to this team than than Aaron Jones I mean Jamal Williams went for over 100 total yards in both games he played uh, in place of Aaron Jones and Corey Lindsley Lucas Patrick is a good center but like for example that Dallas game last year and Lucas has gotten better since then but those couple wayward snaps that he had that's just a small instance obviously that's past him but Corey Lindsley doesn't get enough credit for everything he does up front. Um, I think the center position in general is just underappreciated, but diagnosing the opposing defense with your head up, hand on the ball, getting off a good snap, and then blocking right away, people don't appreciate that enough. And Rodgers loves Lindsley, and I definitely think you could make a
1: case that he's the next guy in line. Totally agree. All right, from Matt Harder. Do you think we have an adequate depth or, yeah, do you think we have adequate depth in the secondary after today to focus on other positions in the draft, even if we do not sign Kevin King?
0: No, I don't. I mean, Chandon Sullivan and Josh Jackson, Josh Jackson's actually played pretty well in, in you know, I know he had uh, a costly penalty against the Buccaneers, and he has, you know, chunk plays allowed here and there, but he's played pretty well. I, I still think um, you're going to have Jair next year if you don't have Kevin. I don't think you can go into next season with, with just Josh Jackson and Shannon Sullivan. Kadar Holman played, has played nicely, so maybe they do. You know, you, you probably still want to draft a corner in the mid-to-late rounds for depth, but um, if Kevin leaves, you, you have your starters on the roster. You're not going to draft a guy and start a rookie. Maybe you go out and get a proven guy in free agency, but you know, Jair and if Josh Jackson is still getting a lot of playing time this year and proving that he can do it, I could see Josh Jackson and Jair being the starting two next year. What about you?
1: Yeah, Jackson's been a real surprise, hasn't he? I mean, he we has. talked about it we talked about it earlier. Um I mean, his training camp was rough. I mean, he would make a great play and then he'd get torched for two of them, and you'd think, my goodness gracious, this guy, this is just not going to work out. But he's been pretty good, you know. And again, I realize that the Jaguars have a backup quarterback and Chenulther number other starting receivers out. I mean, I, I get all those things, but since that Tampa Bay game, he really has settled in.
0: Yeah, I think so, and and that's a good point. Um, th- these five weeks, if anything, have given the Packers a good look at what they have at cornerback for, for,
1: for next year if they don't keep King. All right, from Evgeny, can we expect all three new coordinators next season, one good and two bad separations? And I think you knew who those are. So. <laughs> I, th-
0: I think you're referring to Nathaniel Hackett getting a head coaching job and the other two being fired. I don't, I don't think so. People got to chill on the Mike Pettin stuff. I mean, he just got the, I know Kyle Shanahan had a JV team, but he got the better at Kyle Shanahan. And then he just did pretty well against the Jaguars. And I know it's the Jaguars, but you know, the Packers defense hasn't been as bad as it's seemed this year. The, the big critique is obviously the run defense, which um, you can only do so much about that as a coach. And yes, Patton is, is partially to blame, but a big critique of the defense this year has been the lack of takeaways. Listen, Darnell Savage has dropped an interception. Guys have dropped interceptions. Guys haven't stripped the ball. That, that's not all coaching. And Sean Menenga, yes, he can't teach J.K. Scott to, to tackle, really. And I mean, Pat McAfee had a great tweet today. Everyone's getting on J.K. Scott for the punt. But if you look at that punt return touchdown, there are five guys, and I'm scrolling through my Twitter feed to pull up Pat's tweet, but there are five guys in the same plane, and I can't really see who they are. One of them's Raven Green. Um, Yeah, I can't tell by this picture. One of them's Hunter Bradley, but there are five guys on the same line. You have to be like a net, McAfee said. You can't be in the same exact lane because that's what allowed Keelan Cole to kind of navigate through the open field. I think that's more coaching and teaching guys gap discipline and stuff like that. Um, you can't really coach J.K. Scott. It, Sean Menenga is not going to tell J.K. Scott, or there's nothing Sean Menenga can do to make J.K. Scott like not give that line drive punt. Scott knows he can't do that. Where Menenga has to improve is get those guys to know how to fill uh, the gaps on a punt return team you know, I, I don't think they're going to get fired. Who knows? I may be wrong, but I, I just still think the Packers are going to have the same three coordinators next year.
1: Yeah. Let me, you know, what is, what is the demand for Nathaniel Hackett to be the head coach? Um, he's a non-play calling offensive coordinator who doesn't, he's not running his own scheme. Now I, I realize the, uh, you know, the it's the whole McVay, McVay tree. And, you know, obviously Hackett will be a part of that as well, but um, again I, I don't know who the the hot candidates are this year I don't know who's looking for a coach but man I, I don't know how you hire an offensive coordinator who doesn't call plays i I, I do think that's a tough one that is yeah so i I, I, I think yeah I, I could see all three coming back it looks Green Bay special teams are terrible for the first 11 or 12 games last year and they played really well down the stretch so let's um it's one of those things we got you got so many young guys out there that sometimes they round in the form and, and you turn out to be pretty good and sometimes you don't I'm sorry, yeah, I wouldn't be so quick to fire Hackett just yet.
0: Yep, last question. Let's get one more in Last there.
1: question, Matt, and God, I've lost who it is here, but the question was, and this is related to Bakhtiari saying he's going to have a lot of beer to celebrate tonight. Matt, you just got a new contract. What are you drinking? I'm,
0: I, I'm a wine guy. I've gotten really old. Like in college, I used to be beer and, and fireball, and then I, I went through a, a Miller Lite phase even after college because that's what I drank. And then I went through a hard seltzer phase with the White Claws and the High Noons. I'm, a, I'm, I'm an old 25-year-old right now. So I, I like to enjoy a nice glass of Cabernet Sauvignon. I'm not saying that right, but you know what I mean. So I would relax, enjoy a nice glass of wine um, with the girlfriend I don't have, with the dogs I don't have, with the cigar I don't have, and probably just play some music in my nice studio apartment in downtown
1: Green Bay because it's a pandemic. Aaron Rodgers called it vino, which is very funny. And he said, for you lay people, <laughs> we didn't know what wine was. I thought maybe that was like the best line yeah. of the entire Aaron Rodgers press conference. I, I agree with you. Uh, me and Mrs. Huber, we we do like a glass of wine.
0: Absolutely. And that's a great way to end this podcast because that's the most important.
1: Packers by one, by the way, Matt, uh, the early line against the Colts. Sorta cut you off. Oh,
0: okay. That's interesting. Uh, for the betters out there still listening. Um, and we'll leave you on that. On that note, with the line for next week, it'll be a big game. And as you know, you know, we will be coming to you next Sunday, win or lose, after Packers Colts. You know where to find Bill over on SI. I'm on the athletic. For myself, Bill, our super producer, Danielle, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time.